Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Marketing Podcast, the show aimed at helping creatives early in their journey learn how to better market themselves and make their work stand out. With me, your host, Angus Boyle. My guest today is a food blogger, food Instagrammer, um, and most recently, and very excitingly, the author of her very own cookbook. The blog and the Instagram and the book, all called The Wonky Spatula. And my guest today is none other than Nicola Halloran. In this episode, we dive into a bunch of really, really actionable, specific tips. So if you have any aspirations of writing and publishing a cookbook or indeed any book i think there's some really really useful tips and tactics around how to how to approach publishers how to put together a book proposal that really sort of gives those people what they want um and how to how to go through that process and see it through to the to the point of having a book published and on the shelves and so i think for anyone interested in anything to do with that or even just sort of tangentially interested in those lessons i think there's some really valuable tactics and tips and tricks that nicola shares in this episode so very excited for you to get into it there are there are a few audio issues 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 there are a few audio issues in today's show that's the nature of starting a podcast you're in quarantine and lockdown when everyone's on the internet and sometimes the internet's not completely reliable so whatever if you can get over the fucking minor audio issues you'll enjoy it and there is some serious top-notch knowledge in there for you to to learn from so i'd recommend sticking with it special shout out to our sponsor artbyangus.com yeah it's me yeah i'm the sponsor of my own podcast how much do i charge myself nothing haha <laughs> woo it's free check the website out get your paintings in they make i mean they'll make a glorious christmas present they're a collector's item there's hand-painted canvases that i painted with my own hands on the website would recommend you check it out i am i'm a big fan of them some of them are just on my Instagram, so follow me there too. Check out the website, check out my Instagram for some more paintings that aren't on the website because I'm in the process of uploading them, but it takes fucking ages. Give me a follow. If you like anything about the podcast, send me a message, let me know what you like, what indeed that you don't like, what you want to see more of, less of, any of those things. Also, don't forget to hit subscribe so you uh, find out when the next episodes are dropping. They're dropping weekly on a Wednesday from now until for a long time. That's the plan anyway. And yeah, leave us a review if you like it. They really help in terms of rankings and charts and all that jazz so would really appreciate it unless it's a bad review then fuck off and just don't tell anyone uh keep your opinions to yourself because nobody cares <laughs> oh, i'm only messing um but i'm not really so yeah well i've derailed this intro completely but without further ado let's get into the show welcome to the creative marketing podcast okay ladies and gentlemen boys and girls welcome to episode six of the creative marketing podcast today i am joined by the founder and owner of a food blog instagram food influencer i would say and the author of a new uh, a new cooking cookery book that looks I must say delicious from what I've seen of it, uh, or at least not the actual book doesn't look delicious, but the contents were you to cook them look delicious. Uh, Miss Nicola Halloran, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you for, you for, for having me. Great to be here. Conversation. Did I, is there anything I missed? Is there anything in your own words you'd add as your description of yourself? Or No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm kind of cookbook author and, and food blogger by by weekend or by night and then um, by day I'm a project manager so yeah kind of burn the candle at all ends (laughs) nice nice yeah well I'm I'm a digital marketer by day and hoping to become a a successful artist and podcaster by night that's my life mission so uh, 
I'm I'm right there with you. I've and I've also this week gotten back to the gym, so I'm also now in a lot of pain from from that extra addition to my life. But we won't get into that. <laughs> um, I think though it's really great to have you know those kind of outlets, especially creativity outside of work, because it just sort of it creates that kind of free space in your mind, and I yeah. think as well really helps with your kind of day to day at work as well for sure. Yeah, I think that's so true. I saw something today, actually, someone saying that that your the amount of free time you have is inversely correlated to your to your um, self-esteem. So like the more free time you have, the less self-esteem you have. So it's because you're because when you have less free time, you're sort of constantly doing things, I guess. And I guess that's where a lot of self And you probably don't have time to think about maybe what other people think about you and all that kind of thing. It's so true. And I think as well, like one thing always comes to mind um, when people sort of say, where do you get the time to do it all? And that kind of thing. There's this quote I saw on Instagram years and years ago, and it was a picture of Beyonce. And it was like, they only have 24 hours in the day as well. So I think it's all about how you use your time for sure. Couldn't agree more. Wise words. And she, <laughs> yes, she seems to be doing pretty well with them. So we can only dream to to use our 24 hours as well as that. Exactly. <laughs> So I guess to begin with, would you tell us a little bit about sort of how you got started, both, I guess, in terms of the cookery and then also in terms of like promoting it and putting it out there to the world sort of thing? Yeah. Um. So I think they both happened at the same time, which is probably really rare for most people. So one January, like us all, um, I decided to get into the kitchen, start cooking healthier things, started doing uh, CrossFit as well. So not to do things by half when I was looking into doing CrossFit, a lot of people out there and a lot of the top athletes were eating paleo. So I decided, you know, 7th of January, 2014, paleo, CrossFit, here I go kind of thing. Nice. And um, I actually, you know, from day one of both eating that way and training that way, I absolutely loved it. Um, and because I suppose at the time, eating paleo um there weren't that many kind of grab and go products out there that there would be now um and kind of the essence of that kind of way of eating as well that you had to cook everything from scratch because it's sort of unprocessed raw type ingredients so you know nothing with any additives or anything like that so I started kind of googling paleo recipes and and how to kind of do different cooking techniques and I was posting on my own personal Instagram about it and I was kind of getting a little bit of stick from people being like who do you think you are kind of Gordon Ramsay it, it was it was back in the early days of Instagram where actually Instagram was 10 years old yesterday which is gas and we talk about it now it's kind of it, it's it's weird you almost can't imagine a time without it but really when I started kind of this whole new way of doing things and started posting on Instagram like my place and stuff like that Instagram was more the place where people filtered their images downloaded them and like re-uploaded them elsewhere so at the time it was very strange for someone to kind of use it as almost a blog essentially so I was getting that bit of stick and I decided okay look I want to keep doing this I'm really enjoying it and um, I'm going to create a new Instagram account nothing to do with me 
just all about the food and that's where it kind of grew from so every night I was trying something new in the kitchen I was taking a photo of it and I was sharing the recipe and alongside that I set up a WordPress because back then as well people weren't necessarily posting recipes in the captions of Instagram so I was sort of saying recipe is on the blog head over there check it all out so I set up everything kind of in the one go and I really used it as a a kind of a, a food diary almost in a way of of what I was eating and different recipes I was trying and then over the kind of the next six to eight months Instagram and food kind of really took off together at the time I'd say there was maybe five food bloggers in Ireland top uh Donald Stephen definitely being the the ultimate uh food blogger who started off with like a WordPress website and kind of went on from there so yeah I think in that sense I just kind of went for it nice love it and yeah um, it sounds like you got in there early as well yeah I think so like it was it was a really exciting time with sort of Instagram taking off and things like that and since then I've just loved how both the Irish kind of food community has grown and internationally the way like I would follow people in America like the US the UK Australia like so many different people around the world and we have these chats about food like which wouldn't be possible without that kind of platform and and largely down to like the discoverability of like hashtags and things like that you know yeah for sure speaking of Ireland you're actually the first Irish guest on the podcast so shout out Ireland um (laughs) happy to represent and also the first female guest so I need to work on my uh, diversity so I'm very glad you're here (laughs) tell me even out those numbers two boxes in one yeah First time for a lot of things, but um, exciting stuff. So I guess in those early days, was there any any like failures or like lessons you learned? Things that things you're like, oh, I'm not going to do that one again. Or <laughs> food wise, I'd say there probably was, or you know, at the time as well, I didn't plan things as well as I would now. So I would come home from work at seven, eight o'clock. I'd make a dish. I take photo in the dark on my phone. I put it on Instagram and I think I was doing a class job. And actually with Instagram's 10th birthday yesterday, I scrolled back to the very beginning and some of the photos were bang on. And then some of them were just like, I wouldn't say they're awful, but now because I've obviously upskilled in the area and I kind of know a little bit more about food photography, I'm not using an iPhone like three. <laughs> um, I definitely <laughs> can see that you know I could have done better but I suppose with anything it's a learning curve no one ever goes into new ventures as an expert so the world just doesn't work like that and you kind of have to learn and refine as you go and I like I'm all about kind of delving into different areas and, and learning new things in order to get better all the time and it's the same when it comes to you know blogging and, and recipes and photography and stuff like that there's always something to learn yeah you're just making me think myself that I because I've I've recently since lockdown began I basically decided I'm an artist and started painting and I started posting a lot on Instagram and stuff and I uh you've I definitely lean towards the side of just throw it on and sort of whatever see what happens but I know yeah definitely the the quality uh of the photography is it's a whole other skill in itself but something that definitely has an impact I'm sure exactly and like so um, and by working on that then you're kind of helping to get across the the products that you're kind of trying to show as well because I think with with art and, and with food as well like the person can't see it there and then so they don't know what it definitely looks yeah, like and but when you don't kind of take a little bit of time and get a set of rice for the photo first such a visual platform like instagram you're like missing out on 
and an opportunity to show off your hard work. Yeah, for sure. If only we could taste the food as well through Instagram, then it'd be real, <laughs> real breakthrough. Someday know. I'll figure that one out. <laughs> and then we'll be talking about it. Oh, 10 years ago, I remember the first time you could taste Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I guess on the flip side of like the sort of things not working, is there anything, obviously you've amassed a, a sizable following now. Is there any, was there any big breakthrough moments that you had during that sort of early days or like any times you're like oh this is really starting to to kick off sort of thing yeah I think sort of six to eight months in to my kind of blogging journey I got a message in my inbox from a company called Whole 30 in the U.S. so they do um, a paleo style kind of 30 day plan aimed at kind of helping people to realize what foods you know they really enjoy what foods don't work well from all that kind of thing and they said look we love what you're doing on Instagram we have this channel called Hill 30 recipes where we show off recipes would you like to do a guest post I nearly fell off my chair I couldn't <sighs> believe it I like I think I replied back in 30 seconds and I was like yes absolutely thanks so much I'm so excited and um, because I've been following them for ages and I've done a whole 30 and like I just really loved what they were doing on Instagram to be recognized by them at such an early stage was mind-blowing so the first night of it they basically announced um on a Sunday evening um who's coming up for the week ahead and I was getting into bed I was actually starting a new job the next morning so I was going to bed early like being the model student um and <laughs> I looked on my Instagram and I think I went from say five or six hundred followers to fifteen hundred within literally half an hour so that's kind of that night and that kind of series of events is where I sort of realized okay maybe I'm doing something something good here and and people obviously like it I think by the end of that week I had 4,900 followers or something I couldn't believe it and that was the first time as well that I put my name and, and my personality out there because before that it was all just my place and not a single photo of me so I had kind of people in like Dublin kind of messaging me and being like oh Nick that's you I've been following this page for like three weeks and you know I didn't know and and things like that so that's where I kind of got to the point of I really like doing this I want to keep doing it um because I think a lot of people and it's a question that I get regularly is why did you keep going or why do you do it sort of thing um and for me I just love interacting with people and kind of giving them my recipes and my ideas and seeing where they take it because a lot of the time people are messaging they'll say oh I actually I did this recipe but I tried it with almonds instead of cashews or things like that and I just love kind of getting that feedback from people and it kind of you know it makes it all really really worthwhile and you know if you can kind of get one person having one happy meal from every recipe I think that's just the best are you still out of interest are you still on paleo i was thinking of doing a whole 30 myself it's like it's a daunting prospect though so i stayed eating paleo for about 18 to 24 months and i did two full whole 30s during that time and then the instagram praise of oats came because suddenly people were eating bowls of oats in the morning noon and night and and uh which is grating for a in it and pro which is protein oats so all the oats yeah. 
and I kind of got a bit of like FOMO and it was the first time ever that I sort of took a step back and I was like can I see myself eating this way for the rest of my life you know I was kind of a bit of that person at a party who'd be like excuse me how was that cooked (laughs) and I I sort of realized that yes I absolutely loved it and maybe a couple of months before that if someone had asked me that question I would have sworn a hole in the tin pot I would never change the way I was eating that I absolutely loved it but I sort of felt maybe I was missing out on certain foods and maybe I had discounted them for for no apparent reason so since then I've kind of I keep the same kind of whole food principles like I still eat healthy balanced meals but I allow you know things in that I, I previously didn't so oats chickpeas that kind of thing and also I in the last like kind of year or maybe 18 months I've kind of gone a step further of if I'm out and people are having a slice of pizza I'll have a slice of pizza and I'm not judgmental and I don't feel guilty about it yeah. I think a part of the thing when I was like quite strict paleo was that people would be like, oh God, I feel bad eating that in front of you. But I never was like that. You know, I, I didn't care what anybody else kind of ate. Um, and I think when I first sort of started loosening things up, if there was kind of pizza and we were out, I'd be like, no, I can't have that fast, not healthy or whatever. And I think you need to find that balance because but you can't kind of say for the rest of your life, I'm never going to eat a slice of cake or have a sausage roll or enjoy a meal with friends. Yeah. So I think, yeah, like there, there's merit to doing things for certain periods of time to kind of, you know, create a step into kind of eating a bit more healthy or, or things like that. There's absolutely a place for it. But for your whole life, I don't think it's right to be completely shoehorned because there's no necessary like space for flexibility and things. And when you kind of look at the whole 30 versus paleo, I think that's where the whole 30 principles are really, really good because it's 30 days and then you reintroduce food groups and you kind of make conscious decisions as to whether you mm-hmm. keep eating them and things like that. And actually, Melissa Urban, the founder of Whole 30, is a huge fan of cream eggs, which I find, you know, <laughs> mind boggling. You sort of think that she is the queen of health, which she is, but she's also the queen of knowing what she likes and, and kind of having that moderation approach. So I think she maybe eats like three or four a year at Easter. And it, it's lovely to actually see somebody who is perceived to be so, so healthy, allowing that kind of food freedom where you eat things that you want yeah. and you make conscious decisions to enjoy them, for sure. Okay. I've, I've probably had three or four cream eggs in one sitting before, but... <laughs> <laughs> Half of me um, all. I actually, yeah. I only really got into them about two years ago. I think... It might have been in or around the time that I was loosening the reins. My birthday is around Easter and I saw Melissa eating one on Instagram. I was like, God, I haven't had one of those since I was about five. I'm convinced <laughs> they've made them smaller. I feel like all chocolate bars. I think they've made them smaller days. and worse. Like, yeah, and they're, and worse because they use cheaper ingredients now. So they like if you could try any chocolate bar from 10 years ago or 20 years ago, I think it's definitely better. <laughs> definitely but I still do have you know a soft spot for them I have to say <laughs> they're too good I'm with the whole 30 we're going completely off stopping this podcast but I'm super interested personally it's like did you how did you feel after did you notice like a big difference yeah definitely because I think I have been before I did my first one I've been eating paleo from like say the January of 2014 and I did that one in September and I sort of realized that you know maybe in certain elements of the way I was eating with paleo I was being a bit too heavy-handed on the meat side of things and not getting enough vegetables Mm -hmm. in 
So I, I noticed a difference straight away in that regard. And then I wasn't having kind of paleo pancakes and, and that kind of thing as well. And it just sort of gave me that opportunity to take a step back and sort of say, you know, okay, I have been eating extremely healthy, but have I been making kind of wise decisions or have I been just saying, uh, yeah, I'll have six slices of bacon with uh, maple syrup on them on these banana pancakes. And yeah, that's great. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think during it as well, you kind of, because they have so much material out there on the day one to 30 kind of process of it, you sort of begin to kind of realize where they call it like slaying your sugar dragon and stuff like that, where all the toxins are kind of out of your body and you're just sort of taking in the meat, veg, nuts, that kind of thing. And yeah, I definitely think that you do notice a huge difference in your sleep, your energy and your mood for sure. Okay, I might have to give it a go then. I've got a large sugar dragon to slay though. <laughs> very, I can't say those couple of days where you're tackling it will be easy, but they'll definitely be worthwhile at the end. Yeah, okay. So to rein it back into the context of this podcast, I guess the sort of the purpose in my mind and the target audience is people who are like in the early stages of any sort of creative journey. And I think like, you know, what you described your early stages of, so I guess through that lens, I guess, is there any advice you'd have in terms of starting to grow a following that sort of thing? Yeah, I think at the very beginning, you need to have a really clear purpose. So what you're trying to achieve um, and I think how you go about that and how you go to achieve it and, and move it forward has to all be grounded into that kind of realm of, of purpose and it's actually it's something that kind of I always look at it in a work-life sense as well when I'm looking at campaigns and where we're going to take them it's like what is the purpose of it what's it hoping to achieve and then how do we get there because sometimes if you are starting off a new venture you can kind of get bogged down in oh so and so said I should maybe um, start putting out Google AdWords because that's a cool thing to do or whatever or you know I love I, Google AdWords <laughs> so do I that's my job I'm a nerd for it <laughs> Um, and you know things like oh um I, I really have to have a good Instagram or, or things like that but I think you need to look at like what you are doing and, and what the kind of the goal is there before you get into those kind of nitty-gritty things you need to lock down your speciality what it is and then kind of go from there really yeah okay so I, I was gonna ask and you sort of I guess the answer is yes by the sound of things but is there is there things that you, from your work side of things that sort of have informed what you do on the on the food blog side of things? Yeah, I think sometimes it's almost the other way around in one sense. So when I started off the blog, I was fresh out of college. I was doing a marketing internship. I really didn't know much about anything. <laughs> I'd done actually a degree in geography and sociology and like I just I don't know I was one of those people who kind of left college 2013-14 where the, the world wasn't fully up and running yet <laughs> and there was yeah. you know loads of graduates who had kind of I suppose when I when I went to college it was like just do something that you want to do don't worry about life after college because when we we're going to college it was like there's no job for you don't bother <laughs> Um, but I, I definitely think that having started the Instagram and having had that kind of view in my mind of how you build a brand definitely molded my career. And then 
when I went into kind of agency side, I worked in a creative agency for for a long time. And that allowed me to kind of see how brands mold and how they grow. While at the same time, I was a social and content manager. So I was taking my learnings and my use of my platform and working with other people to kind of add that full circle layer, which was really, really cool. And I suppose what really helped me is I'm super nerdy. So I love analytics. I love seeing how things work. I was also really into the social channels, the new kind of features that there were and how I could bring those to life in, in my campaigns that I worked on. So it, it is it's it is the difficult one and I'm probably not a hundred percent answering the question because the blog feeds into work but work feeds into the blog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It sounds like we've had a similar path because I graduated from a degree in zoology in two thousand and fourteen and then was like, God, zoologists don't really get jobs. <laughs> so then I did a master's <laughs> in marketing and, and now work at an agency. So lots of commonalities there. So then I guess to to bring it back to you, I you've recently, very recently, I think, released uh, your cookbook, right? How did that come about first, I guess? And like, what was the process like for, for getting that out in the world? So, yeah, it came out on the 17th of September. So very, very new. And I think not too long after starting my Instagram and my blog, I was getting messages from people through saying, would you ever write a cookbook? Can I get your recipes in print? And yada, yada. And the first sort of step, I suppose, into getting it into print was very, very tiny. I added a print button to my recipes on my WordPress. <laughs> so when people first were step. like, yeah, people were like, I love your recipes, but I hate it. It's on the internet. And I'm like, direct them to the print button. So everyone was kind of happy for, for a couple of months. And people actually still do print them because uh, I could see it in the analytics. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But then slowly but surely, a, a couple of people kind of within the the industry sort of said, you know, would you would you print this? Would you would you create a book? And the the first sort of inkling of it was in about 2016, and I sort of felt that the blog was two years old then, and I was like. I'm not really ready for that. That seems really unachievable. You know, Jamie Oliver writes books. <laughs> I think it actually was around the time of Joe Wicks's first book. You know, the cookbook space wasn't necessarily that kind of inclined towards healthy foods and things like that. I sort of just felt a bit out of my depth. And then I sat in it for a while and it, it, about 2017, 2018 was when I was like, I'd really like to do this. And I kind of put it on the back burner for a couple of months. And in 2019, then towards the end, I just sort of, I put this goal. I'm very kind of goal orientated and very results driven. Let's just put it this way. I I wrote down that by the end of 2020, I wanted to be published. (laughs) So the first two weeks of January uh, this year, I put together a book proposal um, and, and sent it out. And I said, with the view throughout 2019 of it being something that I wanted to do I'd already built up a bank of recipes so I was pretty much ready to go and I approached a couple of different publishers met with a few of them and I landed on Orphan because their motto on their website when I was submitting my proposal was we publish books that we'd like to read and that just really stuck in my mind throughout the whole process so I went with them and met them I think end of January beginning of February and they were like great submit your manuscript we're, we're kind of ready to go and to be honest I nearly had a heart attack I was like I'm not ready to do this I can't believe it's really <laughs> happening what like what's going on um so yeah that's 
that's kind of where it came from. And obviously then with the whole lockdown and, and that kind of thing, there was a lot of uncertainty for a couple of weeks as to whether I'd be able to get the cover shot, whether the book would be able to go to print. I was even still taking some of the photography still because I actually shot everything by the cover photos myself. Wow, um, nice. Yeah, it was it was a lot of work, but I think it's something that I wanted to do, and I I'm absolutely like delighted that I kind of got there in, in the end. But there was a few hairy weekends of lockdown where certain herbs and things weren't available because people had panic bought. It was around Easter time. Lamb mince was absolutely impossible to get, but we we absolutely got there. And you know it, it's out now. And like any time I talk to people who I haven't seen in a while, and they're like, "Can't believe you have a cookbook out." I'm sort of like. I can't believe I have either but I think with anything you know if you have a goal in mind and you know it's the right thing to do and you know you can do it once you find other people who kind of you know believe in that as well anything is possible yeah that's so it's the the last person I had on the show also was talking a lot about that like the power of of having clarity and being the more clear on what your goal is the the more you can achieve and I think also having a a time bound goal you know setting the date and stuff so yeah yeah it just goes to show powerful stuff exactly. planning is is definitely kind of something that that really helps in, in that case and it sort of pushes you if you if you create deadlines for yourself it pushes you to go and do that like I set that goal then in the beginning of January it's like okay crap like I I'm so, okay I hadn't told anybody about it I didn't even tell my parents I submitted the book submissions until I got emails back from publishers saying they wanted to meet me because sometimes with big goals like that if you say them out loud to other people and they don't follow through there's that kind of pressure but then I suppose the opposite is also true with some other goals that you kind of almost need to tell people that that's what the goal is to make you go and do it. It kind of, I suppose, depends on your personality in some ways as well. And then when it comes to sort of big projects and things, those sort of timing plans and, and those goals and key milestones are absolutely like you have to have them both from a work perspective and from the kind of blog perspective time management and, and that kind of thing um, are really big for me I, I actually I'd say anybody who works with me if they watch this they'll laugh they love CPAs they are the be all and end all and I actually had my own CPA for the book and I almost have sort of a, a CPA that's, a, that's for, a critical critical path analysis path, is it for the, yes, uh, so, the uninitiated exactly so it's <laughs> It's the quickest way from A to B with key milestones to ensure that you do it essentially. And that's how I kind of manage my time outside of work as well. That like, you know, if I have a Saturday set aside to do recipes, I know I need to do four recipes. So that means I need to get the ingredients on the Friday. I need to have the prep done. And, you know, I need everything ready to go in order to do that. Because if I don't do that on a Saturday or a Sunday, I won't have content for the following week. And then my Instagram will suffer. My followers will suffer, you know, all that kind of thing. So planning is, is key for sure. I get. I think the the key other part that you sort of touched on is that it's the combination of setting those goals, but then actually taking action. Because I think there's some people who you know read the secret or whatever and and think they're just going to imagine something into existence. But then it's setting the goal and then actually working towards it is the crucial other step. <laughs> exactly, and like I'm not saying that I'm the ultimate goal achiever either. Because sort of every January, <laughs> well, thank you. But like every January, I will write down a, a list of what I'd like to do within that year, and some times like there'll be things on it that I won't even have thought about from one end of the year to the next or there'll be some that maybe I try putting the steps towards achieving and then halfway through I'm like you know what that's not worth it or 
that's mm-hmm. not what I want to do anymore. So, yeah. So on the book point, you mentioned sort of putting together a book proposal for, for say, anyone who's listening who might want someday to have their own either cookbook or any other sort of book. What was the what was the process of that like and what, what did you put in that and how did you sort of formulate that, I guess? Yeah, so this is a really tricky one. So when I, I looked at the different websites for the publishers that I wanted to go for, there was no template or like any real guidance on, on what you need to do. So I was like furiously Googling book proposals and it seems like a black hole of the internet that there's no sort of key resource that I'd recommend anybody look at to, to kind of go in and do it so I just started kind of from scratch and I outlined what the purpose of the book was so that was about maybe three four hundred words and then I put together a bit about me and, and why I was the only person in Ireland to be able to write said book and then I did a section on the target audience and the demographics so the audience for the book is really people like me so they're busy they don't have time for for bullshit basically when it comes to cooking they just need black and white get this do this and you know time constraints around it so they don't want to be cooking something that's going to take an hour to 20 minutes and they don't realize until halfway through it that actually happened to me recently with a cake recipe I was halfway through and then I saw chill in fridge overnight when I wanted the cake for that day so that that was kind of one thing from from the beginning that I was really adamant about and then alongside that I sort of did some sample recipes some sample photography and then a full breakdown of, of you know start to finish what the book was that I wanted an intro section that I wanted to cover x amount of recipes and that I also wanted to have kind of a glossary for for people to be able to reference key terms in so it was almost I suppose writing it but not writing it so just making a, a really clear plan of, of what I wanted to do and then what I did was when I sent them out, I sent them out with a cover letter, kind of just a couple of details about me, why they should read the proposal and my contact details and sort of said, if you're interested, I can send you more sample recipes. I can send you a sample of the written section so that you can get a view to my style. And I can also send you a pure marketing plan that I've developed around the book, which I'll be honest, was a lie. I hadn't gotten there yet. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I sent out the proposals and of course, they all came back with yes we want all the samples and we want to be where I'm working plan. so um I locked myself away for a weekend got it all done and, and sent it out and I think as well you know not saying that you should do that but you don't have to have absolutely everything planned to put a proposal out there because it's a proposal of the work that you're proposing to do it's mm-hmm. not the finished thing for novels and stuff like that I think you have to probably submit about three or five chapters so that they can get a view whereas for someone like me doing food I got away with you know 10 recipes and then Mm -hmm. one small intro section which actually then formed the basis for the full written section when I went to do it which was you know a really useful exercise all around because the publishers that I was approaching got an idea of my kind of tone and stuff like that because it's all well and good being good at cooking and good at writing recipes but then when you want to do what I did which was have a narrated section kind of need to be able to write as well (laughs) yeah yeah wow well thank you for sharing that that's definitely someone listening is going to get massive value from that I reckon I feel like I learned a lot there um as well that actually kind of knocked me for six when they came back was how many words that I was planning on the book being which I had no idea I was like I think 250 pages and they were like but how many words and a friend of mine whose mom 
writes novels and she has also written a cookbook herself was a really great help there and I actually can't remember what the number was but it was in around 50,000 was my 200 <laughs> word thing 200 page piece which it, it's sort of it's one that you feel like publishers should give you the steer on you know from your proposal I reckon it's going to be x amount of words would you agree because words are so hard to quantify <laughs> yeah it's such a it seems like a kind of nebulous thing as well to be interested in but yeah there's a reason somewhere (laughs) there probably is and and that's kind of the only thing that I think you wouldn't be prepared for for sure yeah so so you mentioned sort of the the initial marketing plan what now that it's in the real world how does that plan look in action what sort of is the marketing looking like I guess it was definitely written (laughs) pre-covid I'll let you know that so Basically, all of the kind of online in-print and radio coverage that I was hoping to achieve was absolutely not not easy at all, but it was absolutely something that I was able to do and managed to become a reality. But I had lovely plans around a media launch day where I'd team up with the cookery school and media would come in and I'd do a recipe and we'd do a live cook-along together, unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances that was cancelled. I also wanted to do a similar one for people who sort of pre-ordered the book and then I wanted to have a big massive party with my friends my family and stuff like that which which couldn't happen along with just defer like, that and that one can still happen just, oh, just eventually definitely yeah like <laughs> I've been saving the bottles of champagne we'll, we'll do it but then as well like you know, certain events that I would have been kind of teed up to be demoing at didn't happen. But some of them are, are now actually happening virtually. So I'm actually doing the Celiac Society's, what do they call it? It's normally a weekend, but I think it's a week this week. But I'm, I'm doing like my normal demo that I would do for them every year via Zoom, which will be interesting. Oh, normally I'll have to get my mum's a... My mum is a celiac, so I'll have to get her to join. I'll get the details yeah, of you. Definitely. I'll send them on. Um, and for anyone kind of listening, it's the Celiac Society and it's all on celiac.ie. So, yeah, an exciting one. But it's it's really kind of upsetting that I can't kind of get out and meet people because a, a couple of, literally a week and a half before we went into lockdown, Tri Festival was on and, you know, it was my first demo of 2020 it was like brushing off all the cobwebs really really excited and in my mind I was like none of you know I'm releasing a cookbook I can't wait to tell you (laughs) and that kind of thing so I definitely have missed out on the kind of the human interaction and connection but and the food samples as well I presume (laughs) yeah exactly but apart from that I think everything else is kind of you know, remained a, a reality um, and I've gotten some, some really lovely opportunities to kind of come on things like this, you know, get into podcasts and, and also still manage to be able to still appear on Ireland AM and things like that, which, you know, at the very beginning of all of this, before the, the book announcement went live, it was very uncertain as to why these things like that will be able to take mm-hmm. place. Nice. Yeah, well, it sounds like you've adapted well to the, the new normal we found ourselves in. I think we, we've all had to adapt in, in some way, shape or form. And I think at the moment, you kind of just have to say to yourself that no plans are certain. Definitely anyone who's kind of been planning holidays and things like that will know that. And, and my heart really goes out to anyone kind of who was planning on getting married and stuff. Because that, like the emotional build up to that and then for it to be taken away from you must absolutely be terrible. Okay. 
not not quite on the quite on a par with marriage i guess but i turned 30 this year and i had a i was very much looking forward i'd booked there was like an island on airbnb that you could book the whole island off the west coast of ireland and that didn't happen so hoping hoping maybe next year but even that i'm like <laughs> we'll get there yeah. by the time i'm 40 i'll have had my 30th birthday party <laughs> That sounds amazing. So I'm sure whenever you can make it happen, it'll be worth the wait. Yeah, exactly. Same as your same as your book launch party that's been deferred. <laughs> exactly. We're probably going to see like absolutely outrageous parties once it's safe to do so. That's so true. Yeah, <laughs> like a year of pent up partying ready to come out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sort of anything that we haven't touched on any like during the process of the book any lessons you've learned anything else that you think would be useful to people listening I guess um I'm trying to think definitely like get a support network when when you're doing anything like that and and make sure that you've got people around you who are going to support you and kind of understand that some days you might just need to talk about it and let it all out and you maybe don't want opinions back some days you might want advice and everything back and other days you might want to just say leave me alone leave me with my computer so I think having having people around you who are like-minded and who understand is definitely really important and um, so I kind of feel as well that if you surround yourself with people who are really goal-driven and um, you kind of push each other forward and you know you're kind of you're family relationships your personal relationships are, are definitely different as a result because I know sometimes if people are say if even at the moment like if you're in close quarters with somebody who is a workaholic versus somebody who isn't and you know you're stuck in four walls for the last four or six weeks you're gonna have had an argument or two at some stage and um, so definitely like surrounding yourself with like-minded people and people who you can kind of buzz um buzz things off because for instance the one keeps back to the name um was actually my brother's idea and it came out of a kitchen brainstorm so you know oh, nice. you never know where where help is, is going to come from and when yeah it's a great name it uh I did hear you tell that story on a different podcast it's uh it was a last ditch effort after a long session was it yeah absolutely it, it literally was the last thing it was he was done I was done <laughs> <laughs> um and now every time I reference the name when people ask the question I have to give them credit so <laughs> it worked out in his favor for sure yeah. <laughs> love it that's so good so I guess sort of bringing it back to the target listener for this podcast I have in mind if it's the question I've asked everyone if you were to sort of get transported if you all your followers are are gone and you're you're back at zero and all you have is like the knowledge that you have amassed what would be like the playbook you'd follow how would you sort of start again I guess that seems like the most daunting task to be honest I know but think of the people who have who are facing that task now that's who you're trying to help (laughs) sorry that was a terrible answer um, and you know what? I think more so if I don't look at it directly as if it was me, and um, if I look at it for people mm-hmm. starting off, because I regularly get messages from people saying, "How did you get going? Like, how do I, how do I kind of follow that path?" And my advice to them always is just go and and do it. You know, get stuck in, try it. 
not everything's going to work. Not every recipe you make is going to taste nice. <laughs> not every photo you do is, is going to look nice. And sometimes you might break your back for six, eight weeks perfecting your recipe, take the most glorious pictures, and the Instagram algorithm decides people aren't going to see it. <laughs> so don't ever be disheartened either. I actually, I find it really funny that sometimes the, the recipes that I spend maybe an hour all in doing so I just shove potatoes in the oven make a little dressing try it and think oh that's nice I'll just take snap that and just say oh I'm eating this today explode <laughs> so always I would say keep going don't be disheartened and, and use social platforms to your advantage so if you are posting on Instagram you've got 30 hashtags that you can use don't just post one you know put them in the comments let your content be kind of discoverable and try new formats as well until you find one that works for you and kind of gets you seen so keeping up to date as well and not sticking within the I post one photo on a Monday at 9am and that's what I do like try it all um, and kind of give everything your best shot and if you find that okay posting at 9am on a Monday really actually works then go with it but don't just make kind of decisions that you think may work based on either what other people do or or what kind of the latest kind of trends are almost I'd say just always keep trying new things and always keep learning as well nice very good advice yeah Um... and if it was me doing it all again (laughs) I do have one piece of advice for me personally, is um, when I set up my Instagram, I didn't set up my Facebook account at the same time. I waited about a year or so. And I think to do it again, and I think my Twitter was like six months later or whatever, to do it again, I'd start everything together. And then if I felt that one was growing more and I liked it more, maybe take it from there. But I that's the only one regret that I do have is that I didn't set up Facebook and Instagram together. But a, a small one in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, for sure. It seems to have worked out pretty well in spite of it. Um, One thing you touched on before was how when you started, it was all just the recipes initially. And it was like a while before you got in front of the camera. Was there, did you have any sort of trepidation about that? Yeah, I think, I suppose nowadays it's really difficult to start an Instagram without showing yourself because you've got Instagram stories, you've got reels, you've got IGTV and stuff like that. And where I was coming from, it was just photography at the time. So in one sense, it was easy not to show myself. And I did, I wasn't there yet. I, I probably, I hadn't got the confidence to kind of say, I'm Nicola, I'm the one who's got these are my recipes. You know, it was very much like, hi, I made this. What do you guys think? Sort yeah. of thing. So yeah, I think now with Instagram as well, it's not just people interacting with photos, it's interacting with the people behind the accounts on a personal level. Um, And I think being able to connect with people on a one-to-one is really, really important. And I suppose at the beginning, I was connecting with them through the copy that I put with my images and the little kind of insights that I put before I crack into a recipe on the blog, which I still do. I write those little insights of this made me dance around the kitchen. I really like this or whatever. And I'd say probably 85% of people just scroll straight down to the recipe and don't read it. But for me, I love just getting that bit of personality across. And it's a kind of a little outlet as well. And it's lovely to look back on. So a lot of the time I actually remake my own recipes. And like the other day I was looking at one and the intro to it is like, this recipe came from a kitchen failure. And, you know, I did this, that and the other and I got to this. And I'm so excited that you guys are going to get to enjoy it as a result. And it's so lovely to look back on. Yeah, yeah, that's epic. I guess for anyone who's 
who maybe is struggling with that fear of putting themselves in front of the camera, putting putting themselves out there, would you have any any advice for them? I think, like, yeah, it is great to be able to put yourself out there. But if you're not comfortable with it, definitely go kind of down my route of the, the baby steps and, and put yourself, uh, like, your creativity or your outputs out there first. And then it, it all it may take is a couple of people to comment and say, wow, I really like that for you to be able to sort of be like, OK, I, I'm ready to, to open myself up. Because putting yourself out there on social media is a big thing. Like, there's keyboard warriors and, and critics out there. Um, and it, it can be daunting. But one thing I sort of do feel about people kind of being scared of, of doing it and, and stuff like that is you're in control of how much about yourself you put out there and, and what you say. So like if it's an Instagram story, watch it back before you post it. And if you're not happy with it, don't don't post it. Or, you know, if you want to kind of show what you're eating, but you don't want to talk about how you're feeling just because somebody else who has a similar account does it, it doesn't mean that you have to. So just create those those boundaries because I've even seen you know certain accounts that I follow maybe not answering dms on a certain day of the week or there's another girl that I follow who has her dms completely turned off because she just wants to post out content and she just wants to kind of interact and that's absolutely fine so to set your own boundaries and, and do what you're comfortable with is, is definitely what I'd recommend very wise words once again you're coming out with the wisdom today Nicola I must say <laughs> um sort of on the cooking point any what would your what would your go-to recommendation for like an easy healthy recipe be for people because i'm sure you get asked that a lot yeah i definitely do and um i sort of i i regularly answer the same question like the same answer of recipes and people are probably like oh would she ever get a new one but i really like like beef balls and and burgers because they're so super simple anyone can do them and I think they're really really accessible and they're actually kind of the basis of before the blog started I used to be obsessed back in the day making meatballs but I'd make all these different flavor combinations and I'd never write them down so I'd never remember what I'd done so that's mm-hmm. what I started doing of making it out of okay I put cumin in that I put paprika in and, and that kind of thing um, and actually on the blog like if you type in burger you'll probably be served with about 50 or 60 at this stage different combinations <laughs> like turkey mint pork mince beef mince I think there might even be chicken mince so it's, it's a really kind of easy one to learn how to do and then you can put your own spin on it because if you make somebody's recipe and you try it and you're like mm, it's a little bit too spicy for me or oh it's it's actually a little bit blander than I thought recipes like that are so easy to adapt you know whether it is an extra sprinkle of cayenne pepper or even just a bit of salt or something like that so definitely one of my go-tos for a nice easy healthy meal for sure nice my my st- i've got like a massive walk so my general approach to cooking especially because i don't like doing dishes is like i just do stuff in the walk anything that can all be cooked in one walk <laughs> is my go-to so like fried rice or noodles with like loads of veg and stuff thrown in it's uh, i'm actually all about one pot cooking as well and i hate washing up it's funny because <laughs> some people say you know is there anything you don't like doing in the kitchen or anything you don't like cooking it's like i'll cook absolutely everything but don't ask me to clean up <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i know i know how you feel all right and then how about guilty pleasures because we've talked a lot about your all your healthy eating and your whole 30 and all this with, with the occasional cream egg obviously um yeah but anything other than anything other than cream eggs that are your your decadent moments cream eggs are definitely the guilty one and the one that I sort of 
like to eat at home watching TV. <laughs> um, and then when it comes to like my ultimate kind of meal out, it's definitely a really nice steak with some seriously triple cooked chips. <laughs> um, and I used to be a sauce person actually, but recently I've gotten into brunettes and I feel like that's a real wicked one. Um to have when you're when you're going all in as they say and yeah. <laughs> and then the the other kind of one for sure is is chicken wings and chips with uh, blue cheese dressing and like I unashamedly will not share wings with anyone so you know when you go to that's the right like, way to do it yeah exactly when you go out they do those share baskets no no I'll get mine <laughs> you get yours and it's funny because anytime I go for wings with a person for the first time particularly if it's a guy or even actually a group of guys they'll be like oh you won't finish that whole thing and I'm like watch me I plan the whole day around the wings so that I can enjoy the full thing <laughs> Okay, well, if we're talking wings also, do you have like a strategy for eating the wings? Because I feel like I know certain people who have very, very distinct, like this is how you eat a chicken wing. Do you have a, yeah, do you have a set absolutely. way? Absolutely. And you know, when you have the actual wing ones as opposed to the drumstick, mm-hmm. I can like eat the whole thing off the bone just in like one go because I kind of twist the top of it and then put it in my mouth and take the bones out. So that's a definite strategy. That's um, a skill. Yeah, definitely. And I, I I, don't know how I just kind of got into doing it. I have a few kind of methodical ways of eating. Like when I eat mussels, I stack them all like the empty shells in like these little lines. It's something my granddad used to do. And I just automatically, it was like a learned behavior. And I never thought anything of it until about five years ago. Um, myself and my mom were out for lunch having mussels. We both did that. And the waitress came back and she was like, have you got OCD? Like, I've never seen anyone do that before. And we were like, no, it's just how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really clean way of doing it. Yeah, I, I, I can I can empathize with that approach. I like I'm, I don't know if I've ever eaten mussels. I've always been too scared. But uh, but in terms of the process for eating, I'm, I'm a big like if I get a plate of food and there's vegetables on the plate i just always eat the vegetables first and i'm like cool now i can enjoy the rest of the meal (laughs) even though even if i like the vegetables even though i'm enjoying them i'm like vegetables get eaten first (laughs) so you've talked you're talked a lot about you being like you know a very goal-oriented person and and that sort of thing i guess perhaps perhaps it won't come until next january when you're setting your next goals but what's what's on the horizon for you what's like the the medium long-term aim I guess yeah well this is actually a funny one because I think the week the book launched most people would probably sit back and be like great that's done and I am very like what's next what, what am I kind of doing and um, so I'm working on something in the background that kind of brings the blog a step further and kind of dials up everything and, and not more recipes nicer kind of look and feel user journey all that kind of thing and an easy way for you to make things on the go so that's as much as I'll I'll share at this time Um, and then there's some other long-term ones like that I'd love someday to have some kind of a cooking show but that's uh, that's a really kind of bucket list one for sure nice yeah you'll have to set a date on it eventually because that's that's (laughs) that's what works for me one one last question, I guess, for for because just because you touched on it there is like for uh, people looking to start a website, because obviously, I mean, I've 
I've done it a few times for different attempted business ventures and uh, some of the times it's been horribly painful. So any any tips for how to as easily as possible get a website up and running? I think for me, WordPress is definitely one of the best ones to go for and pick a theme and, you know, spend 50, 50, even up to 100 euro on getting a good theme that, that works for the kind of site that you want to build. And the beauty about WordPress is there's never anything that you can't Google to work out. For instance, a couple of weeks ago, I was trying to create space between paragraphs but by pressing enter it wouldn't let you do it then I looked up kind of the code side of things of how you do it and then I switched my settings from visual to code and inserted it then refreshed had a little look and it worked but it was actually it was too big the space then I was like looking at the code and it was like 1000 so then I tried 950 and it made it a little bit smaller and then like I went down so yeah I think WordPress is a really good one for that if you're Maybe on the, the side of things where like you don't mind playing around with things until you get it. But actually also I was playing around with a website for my godmother um, a while ago, which she had set up on Wix. And I was really impressed with how you can just drag and drop things with Wix. So maybe if I was doing it all again, I might try that. But I think in terms of, you know, if you are planning to build the website long term, something like WordPress is good because you can get, you know, developers involved at a later stage or something if, if you want to go from there. Love it. Um, I guess I think we're coming to a close. That's the end of my list of uh, of questions, except for what's your what's your call to action to people and where can people find you and follow you? Um, I think definitely the place to head is my Instagram, the one from Spatula. Um, you can keep up with all my new recipes there and day-to-day mustings on my stories, what I'm drinking, eating and, and, and whatever else. So definitely head there or head over to my website, thewonkyspatula.com. Amazing. Well, Nicola Halloran, thank you so much for your time um, and your unbelievable knowledge. I think there's definitely some some sage words of wisdom in there for people to, to learn from. So really appreciate it and I'm sure others will too. So thank you. Super. Thanks so much for having me. Someday when I'm back in Ireland, we can go for chicken wings. <laughs> Absolutely. One back Too bad, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a great evening. See you. Bye. This has been the Creative Marketing Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Tune in again next week on Wednesday for the next episode of the Creative Marketing Podcast. Don't forget to check out artbyangus.com, buy some paintings, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, tell all your friends, tell them again, and then have a great day.